This episode of Superman of the Bronze Age is sponsored by My Digital Comics. An up-and-comer in the digital comics marketplace, My Digital Comics provides fans an affordable digital option for their comics and offers titles in PDF, CBZ, and page flipper formats, offering titles from publishers like Boom, Dynamite, Top Cow, Adhouse, Two Morrows, and many more. My Digital Comics Association with DCBS and InStock Trades does more than just provide readers with an immediate opportunity to own either the digital or print versions of some of their favorite titles in the format that they want. It brings them at the price points they want. You can find My Digital Comics on the web at www.mydigitalcomics.com. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over the Earth and beyond as Superman. This is Superman. Superman. In the, in the Bronze, Bronze Age. Age. Hello everybody and welcome to the 104th episode of Superman in the Bronze Age. I am your lovable host Charlie Niemeyer and once again we are returning to that bygone era of polyester and disco. I don't not a huge fan of it either. Before we get started, I thought it would be a good idea to check in on the news. Ah, who am I kidding? There's no news. It's 30 years ago. Okay, let's take a quick look at the emails. And really, the only email we've got is from our friend, Russell Bragg. And Russell writes, Hi, Charlie. Another great episode. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to read Superman 326 before listening like I wanted. This podcasting thing is harder than I thought it would be. I thought the hard part would be the recording, but it seems to be the least of my troubles. If I had known how difficult it was to put on a show together, I wouldn't have let you and Dave talk me into it. Just kidding. I think I remember getting this issue originally just because of the cover. Wow, Superman is revealing his true identity on TV. I didn't think the story disappointed, and I never had the full context of the story. Thanks to your past podcasts, I do now. So thank you. Well, you're welcome, Russell. I love Superman 327, which I also have. I think I love the Mr. and Mrs. Superman story as much as the main story. 
I did find an answer for you, though. Mr. Miracle and Big Barda were married by the time of Superman 326. Their nuptials were chronicled in Mr. Miracle number 18 from March 1974. Better end here for now. As always, keep up the great work. Russell. Well, Russell, thank you very much for writing in. And, unfortunately, Russell's the only one that wrote it. Well, not unfortunately, because that was cool, but still. So, please, if you all feel like you want to write in and say hi and have your email read, which I can do, please feel free to email us at superbronze1970 at gmail.com or leave a comment on the website at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com. But, for now, we're going to move on, after a couple of promos, to the issue for the day. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Gathered together, from the far reaches of the internet, are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring the thrilling adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, The Schuster Herald Podcast, It's Superman, The Carousel Podcast, The Amateur Steel, a John Henry Allen Podcast. The world's best podcast and Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. It was the dawn of the Third Age of Comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? To portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. This is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Shortbox Showcase. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Superman number 327 had a cover date of September 1978 and an on-sale date of June 5th, 1978, with a cover price of 50 cents. Yes, the price has finally gone up. The page count has gone up also because this is the first month of the DC explosion. The title of the main story is The Sandstorm That Swallowed Metropolis, written by Marty Pasco, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Frank Charmonte, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Adrian Roy, and edited by Julie Schwartz. 
Now, like one of those movie serials from the 40s, this issue opens a little bit before the end of the last issue, showing the last scene, but at a different angle. This time, when Cobra reveals that he knows that Clark is Superman, he actually rips Clark's shirt, exposing the S-Shield underneath. After introductions are made, and Cobra explains how they discover Clark's secret, we also learn that Cobra found the teleportoscope while digging at a UFO sighting. But Skull had intervened and stole it via some kind of a tractor beam. Don't know how Skull knew about it, but, you know, whatever. Once that story is over, Clark uses his super breath to blow the teleporter out of Cobra's hand. Cobra's agents shoot Clark, but it only burns away the rest of Clark's suit, leaving him in his Superman uniform. Cobra then attacks Superman with the snake tongue lash from his glove, and although it does wrap around Superman, the Man of Steel just spins at super speed, which actually pulls the glove off and kind of loosens up the coil. Superman then goes on the offensive, but Cobra surrounds himself in a force field and then shoots some venom spray, which it says venom spray, but it's actually some kind of a gas, it looks like, and he and his agents retreat out the window. A knock on the door prevents Superman from following, so after he sucks up all of the venom gas, he changes into another Clark suit, just in time for one of Clark's neighbors to bust in to check in on him. Clark passes it off as a burglary, and after shooing his neighbor out the door, he reviews what he's learned about Cobra from Batman, Aquaman, and Green Lantern from their previous run-ins with him. Cobra's going to be a formidable opponent, but once they're but since there is nothing else he can do until Cobra makes his next move, Clark resumes his normal activities after cleaning up his apartment. Although we don't see him do that. And I'm just kind of sort of assuming. And you know what happens when you assume, so I probably shouldn't do that. Anyway, moving on. The next day at WGBS, Clark, Lewis, and Lana are going over some Superman picks for a documentary, including Superman fighting a monster, and Superman destroying an out-of-control cargo plane, and dispersing the nerve toxins it was carrying in a fine mist so they wouldn't affect the city. But then Lois was... But then Lois has to open a window because it's getting stuffy. Unfortunately, she doesn't notice that there are gale-force winds outside dispersing tons of sand throughout the city. Which makes no sense, because it's a city. Since the sand blowing into the office is so dense, Clark is able to quickly change to Superman and fly out the window, apparently closing it, uh, without anyone noticing. By flying in a circle at super speed, Superman creates a vacuum that draws the sand into the sky, and then he flies it out over the ocean where he spots a large machine that actually sucks in the sand that Superman was bringing with him before it can start falling into the water. But then he sees that the machine is sucking the sand up from the ocean floor and blowing it out towards Metropolis. And at that point, Cobra appears, telling Superman not to interfere or his parents will die. Now this confuses Superman because, well, you know, both sets of parents are already dead. But then Cobra reveals Jonathan and Martha Kent inside a gravity-resistant plexiglass sphere. After explaining that the teleport ray can also be used across time as well as space, basically making it a handheld TARDIS, Cobra reveals that he plucked the Kents out of the past about one week prior to their deaths. He then tells Superman to collect all of the Santa Metropolis, or he'll kill the Kents, which would of course mess up the time stream. With no other choice, Superman uses scrap metal and scrap cloth to create a vacuum pump to suck up the sand, which he then connects to one of the nozzles of Cobra's machine. Now, as he does this, he sneaks inside the nozzle to see what Cobra is doing with the sand. He finds that there's some kind of a filtration system, but he doesn't know what it's filtering, so he continues on with his sand collecting. 
About 30 minutes later, Superman arrives with the final batch of sand. But when he hooks it up to the machine, it explodes. Superman then explains that he finally figured out what Cobra was doing. Remember that nerve toxin I mentioned earlier? That one picture that seemed to have a lot of detail about it, which I'll mention a little bit later? Well, Cobra was using the sand to sandblast the buildings, where a lot of the toxin would have settled. Then the machine separated the toxin from the sand, but when Superman brought the last batch of sand after figuring out what, he was up, what Cobra was up to, he used his heat vision to superheat the sand, which overheated the machine, and it exploded. This ticks off Cobra, and he shoots the Kent bubble, but it turns out that during the explosion, Superman had actually moved at super speed to hide the Kents, and then create a glass bubble out of the dispersed sand, and some heat vision, and place a figurine of the Kents inside, which the bubble magnified so it looked like it was a real life-size set of the Kents. And, you know, because it's the comics, the figurine was lifelike enough to fool Cobra. Superman moves in to take out Cobra, but is again repelled by his force field. Then he hits Superman with a kryptonite ray and escapes while Superman is weakened. With no way to trace Cobra, Superman heads to his fortress where he actually hid the Kent bubble right outside the big yellow door. And then he returns them back to their proper time without them even knowing that anything has happened to them or that they had you know, been in the future and then returns them back to their proper time without them even knowing that anything has happened. Now feeling that he has just sent the Kents to their doom, even though he can't really change it without causing all kinds of irreparable harm to the time stream, Superman returns to the present, vowing to bring Cobra to justice. And you know, every time I have to say Cobra, I, I, I don't even think about this guy Cobra. I think of um, G.I. Joe Cobra. It's just weird. It's like a crossover that isn't a crossover. And of course, since they spelled it with a K, you know, then G.I. Joe could use the regular Cobra later on for, you know, Cobra. Anyway, uh, now I don't really have any page-by-page -page notes on this one, but, well, it's more of a summary notes. Uh, it, it was interesting to see Cobra show up here. Uh, Cobra was a big deal in the 70s, and it was nice to not only see him take on Superman, since he's already taken on Batman and Aquaman and Green Lantern, but he actually had a pretty good reason to take on Superman. However, the only real fault I can give to the story kind of is the reason. While the reason makes sense, the way they introduced the nerve toxin angle, they tried to do it under the radar, but you when you only give one panel to Superman fighting the monster, and then four panels and a lot of detail about the other incident, it kind of becomes a bit obvious that this is something important that's going to be brought back later on. And with the way Pasco's been working the subplots in on the stories lately, it kind of would have been nice if he could have used the out-of-control cargo plane incident in a previous story. Even if it was like in DC Comics Presents, or or if he could have gotten Carrie Bates to use it over in action. Uh, but it would have been nice to have it actually uh, us actually see the incident occur in a previous story, so that it would have made it a little less obvious. But, you know, what can you do? Uh, I mean... Pasco's been packing the other issues full of so much stuff lately, it's kind of 
I mean, I can understand why he had to introduce it this way. It's just, it's just kind of unfortunate. And I have to admit that while the artwork looked really good this issue, believe it or not, uh, and it didn't matter if it was close-ups or far-away shots. I mean, it, I mean, it, the art look artwork looked pretty decent. Although I'm still not a fan of Swan's more modern version of Batman. Swan was able to handle the Bob Kane, Dick Spring, ghost artist era, and he was able to handle the new look era that Carmine Infantino started. But once Neil Adams showed up with Dick Giordano and they started giving him the, you know, more modern, realistic look that, like, artists like Irv Novick and Jim Aparo would take, would later adopt as well, Swan's version just... It just looks too old school. But, you know, this isn't a Batman podcast. So, uh, anyway, uh, the only other quibble I have, which is a little bit nitpicky, is that right after Superman makes that solemn vow to bring Cobra to justice, the next issue box promises that next issue will be the most offbeat story of the year. It's just a little jarring, you know? It, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just, I mean... I mean, I, I don't fault them because, I mean, it is going to be the next, most offbeat story of the year. But I I just wish they put it in a different place or found a different way to say it's going to be offbeat or, you know, put it over in the, oh, I don't know, the letters page maybe, rather than right after this solemn scene at the end. It's kind of kills the mood, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, um, now, with this being the first issue in the era as known as the DC Explosion, uh, like I said before, more pages were added, uh, which means that a lot of books actually got backup features that hadn't previously had backup features. Uh, in the instance of Superman, we get a new feature called Mr. and Mrs. Superman, which continues the adventures of the Earth 2 characters after their marriage back in Action 484. Welcome to Earth 2, a world amazingly similar to the Earth we're all familiar with, yet with surprising differences. For example, Clark Kent works for the Daily Star, as does Lois Lane. But at home, it's a different story, for Clark and Lois are Mr. and Mrs. Superman. Now, the story in this issue features Clark and Lois moving into their new apartment, and the Colonel Future Gang, which was also introduced in Action 484, uh, posing as the movers to try and kill Clark over his exposés about the gang. Of course, they don't realize that Clark is Superman, and together with Lois, and she provides quite a bit of help here, they're able to take down the gang without anyone figuring out that Clark is Superman even though it ends up involving the use of some super ventriloquism rumble rumble i don't like super ventriloquism rumble this uh now this really is a nice little story it, it's it's not bad for seven or eight pages um and at this point it was still pretty odd to see lois being able to help clark uh with superman stuff but uh, yeah uh, the Kurt Schaffenberger and Joe Gaella providing the art, and it really harkens back to the 50s, which I believe is kind of the point, the 50s, 60s era, kind of more Silver Agey Superman. Um, you know, Schaffenberger was 
made his name. I mean, he well, maybe not made his name. He was he did a little bit of art for the Captain Marvel stuff back when it was still at Fawcett, right near the end there. Uh, but he really made his name in comics for working on the Lois Lane strip, which of course would have been in the '60s. And then uh, he also got to work on Captain Marvel once he came. Once he came over to DC, he's been working with the Superman stuff off and on, including Supergirl. And then, of course, in the 80s, he's going to be on Super The New Adventures of Superboy for, uh, with the possible exception of one or two issues with a, with a guest artist. I believe he's on just about every issue of The New Adventures of Superboy from 1 to 54, all 54 issues of that. And so he's really got a classic look. I, I, when they try to put him on newer things, it, it doesn't work as well. But when it's supposed to be something that's got a classic look, Schaffenberger is really good at it. Ooh. Now, the only plot hole I see really in this story is that Clark and Lois had actually been married for a little bit before Clark got his powers back in Action 484. I don't know if you all remember the story, but the like I think it was the wizard um, kind of killed... Superman in a way using his magic which let us still have Clark though and he became more rough and tumble and was writing all these great exposés and stories about and taking down the Colonel Future gang and everything and Clo Clois well, Lois and Clark got married and they went on a honeymoon and they came back and they were together for a while but during the honeymoon Clark had been had an assassinate assassination attempt on him and Lois saw that the bullets did bounce off of him and he was fine so she figured out that he was Superman and she got the wizard to bring Superman back and then Superman married Lois at the at his mountain citadel in the Kryptonian fashion so there was a time in there where I would imagine they probably would have already had an apartment figured out or they were living together Maybe this could be just a new apartment, but the way it's worded, it's that this is the first time that they've moved into their new home together. So it's kind of weird. But um, yeah, other than that, uh, that actually didn't even occur to me until I was writing up this little summary. So I guess it's not that huge of a deal. But um, so that's going to do it for my synopsis for the issue. Uh, let me play a couple promos, and when I come back, we'll look at the ads and the elsewheres, and we'll end the show. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Kalabak, Tassad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, District and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick, Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC. Who's who? Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Trine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water Podcast. 
Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Okay. Uh, starting off, the inside front cover has a, you know, so you know, an ad that's not comic related. So we're just going to skip over it. Basically, it's one of those sell stuff, and you can win these prizes. Uh, the next ad page is uh, half a Slim Jim ad and half a Grit ad. Uh, dee 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 dee. The next ad page is a hodgepodge page. Well, this isn't fun. Where's the good stuff? Come on. Uh, the next ad page. This time they forego the comic book version of a hostess ad to also sell you baseball cards. Mm-hmm. So you can you buy Twinkies or cupcakes or Susie Q's or whatever, and you get baseball cards attached to the boxes on the bottom including a Nolan Ryan back when he was with the California Angels not bad uh, then there's another full page telling you all about the DC explosion and all the new changes that are coming up which we'll go over some of those in a little bit um, now apparently they could have added another five cents to give us the same pages they were but they decided nah we'll just give you more pages and charge you 50 cents so Yep. So, plus they have all these new people working on the stories, plus the vets. Yeah, they they were really excited about the DC explosion. So, keep that in mind. Moving right along, the next ad page is actually that four-page Clark Bar ad featuring the DC heroes as well as stuff from like Marvel, because both companies were working with them at the time. Uh, that takes us to the end of the Superman story, and after the letters page, you can get, you know, the Army Men stuff. Now, the next ad page is pretty cool because it really, um, because it really focuses on the DC explosion. Uh, looking at the Dollar Comics, they now feature cover to cover all story and art with no ads. Uh, Adventure Comics is, features the Flash, Wonder Woman, Dead Man, Green Lantern, The New Gods, and The Elongated Man. And the Superman Family stars Superman, Supergirl, Lois Lane, Nightwing, and Flamebird, uh, Crypto, Jimmy Olsen, and Superboy, with guest stars the Doom Patrol and the Newsboy Legion all in this one issue, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, let's see, showcase number 104 brings us the OSS Spies at War, 25 pages of combat espionage, and DC Classics, the best in comics entertainment. There's Battle Classics number 1, featuring Sergeant Rock, the Haunted Tank, and Johnny Cloud all together, and Dynamic Classics number 1, which features Batman and Manhunter in reprint stories, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Next ad page, the top half is HodgePodge ad. The bottom half is applications are now being taken for the following chapters of the DC Superstars Society. Batman, Black Lightning, DC's War Heroes, The Flash, Green Arrow, Black Canary, which is just one. Uh, Green Lantern, 
Justice League, Justice Society, Legion of Superheroes, Shazam, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Send a long, a long stamped, self-addressed envelope with your name, address, and the chapter you prefer to the DC Superstar Society, and you'll receive a detailed application form explaining the DC Superstar Society, the items in your chapter's membership package, and your special chapter questionnaire testing your knowledge of your favorite DC superstars. Each chapter is different, so select your favorite, and please allow up to eight weeks for a response. I don't know what this is, but this looks really cool. That's all I'm going to say. I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, then we have another ad page, uh, this time about the tabloid size books. We have super, uh, they're showing, showcasing uh, Superman versus Muhammad Ali, Superman versus Shazam, Superman versus Wonder Woman, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, Batman's Strangest Cases, and that one's all reprints. Welcome Back Cotter, which it's also reprints, but it just reprints issues of Welcome Back Cotter. And Rudolph's Summer Fun, because kids can't get enough of that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. By the way, several episodes ago, Dave and I did cover Superman vs. Shazam. If you would like to hear an alternate take on that same story, make sure you go over to Two True Freaks. Uh, the Tales of the Justice Society of America did a special Back to the Bins episode in which they covered... Uh, the same book, Superman vs. Shazam. It's uh, Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner, who you've probably heard of before. Mike's been on the show. And um, that, and if you have the feeds subscribed to on iTunes, the show appears on both the Tales of the JSA feed as well as the Back to the Bins feed, so you really can't miss it. So make sure you check it out. The even uh, the, Mike even mentions this show on there, so it's really cool. Thanks, Mike. Uh, anyway, the next page is a full page of Answerman's Guide to the DC Explosion. Now, I'm only going to read this because it kind of tells you where everybody is now that the DC Explosion has taken place. Because the most asked question of the month was, with all the new features DC is bringing us in the new DC Explosion, where can I find blank? So to make it easy, the answer man, Bob Rosakis, went ahead and made a checklist. Airwave will be appearing in alternate issues of Action Comics, beginning with issue number 488. The alien Green Lanterns will be in, you know, Green Lantern. The Amazons are on Paradise Island and Wonder Woman. The Atom will be alternate with Airwave in Action Comics, beginning with 487. Batgirl's going to be in Batman Family, as always. Uh, Batman is in his own magazine, as well as Batman Family, Brave and the Bold, Detective, and World's Finest. Black Canary is in World's Finest. Black Lightning is in his own magazine. Black Hawk is in upcoming issues of Men, at War Men of War. Cinnamon is going to be a new Weird Western feature. The Creeper is going to be in World's Finest and a solo tryout in Showcase 106. Dateline Frontline is in Men of War. Dead Man will be in Adventure Comics plus a one-shot in Showcase 105. The Demon begins a feature in Batman Family number 21. Elongated Man will be in Adventure Comics 459. Enemy Ace is going to be in Men of War. Firestorm is currently in his own magazine. The Flash is in his own magazine and in Adventure Comics, so he's in two books. Gravedigger is in Men of War. Green Arrow is in the Green, Green Lantern Green Arrow comic, as well as World's Finest. 
Green Lantern is in his own magazine and in Adventure Comics. The original Green Lantern, which I believe would be Alan Scott, is in Green Lantern. The Haunted Tank is still starring in G.I. Combat. Hawkman is going to start a backup feature in Detective Comics. The Human Target is in the Bullseye in Brave and the Bold. A backup feature. The Huntress is leaving the Batman family after issue 20 for a series of showcase tryouts, which will be issues 107 through 109, which explains why there's room for the Demon, who really doesn't have much of a reason to be part of the Batman family, but whatever. Jimmy Olsen's going to be in Superman Family. Justice League of America is going to be in their own magazine. What a shock. The Justice Society is going to continue in All-Star Comics. Commandy is still in his own book. Kid Flash is in Issues of the Flash. Crypto is in Superman Family. Lois Lane is in Superman Family. The Losers are still starring in Our Fighting Forces. Man Bat is also in Batman Family. The Metal Men are coming soon to Adventure Comics. Mr. and Mrs. Superman are in Superman which we already talked about. The Man Called Neverwhere is an adventure beginning with 460. The New Gods are in adventures 459 and 460. Nightwing and Flamebird appear in Superman Family. The Odd Man is a new companion feature for Shade. Uh, OMAC will be returning to Commandy as a backup feature. OSS it will be continuing in GI Combat with a tryout in Showcase 104. The Private Life of Clark Kent is returning to Superman, so we'll be seeing those soon. The Public Life of Bruce Wayne will be in Batman. The Ray, this freedom fighter stands alone in Black Lightning and as a backup feature. Robin will continue in Batman Family. Scalp Hunter is in Weird Western Tales. Sergeant Rock is in his own magazine. Shade the Changing Man is in his own magazine. Shazam, which is Captain Marvel, is in World's Finest. Star Hunters is in their own magazine. Steel is in his own magazine. Uh, Superboy is in Superman Family. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes is in their own magazine. And technically, I guess Superboy would also be in Superboy and the Legion. Makes sense. Super Friends are in their own magazine. Supergirl is in Superman Family. Superman is in Action Comics. DC Comics presents Superman, Superman Family, and World's Finest. Unknown Soldier is in his own magazine. And One Woman is in her own magazine, as well as Adventure Comics. Now, if there's anyone that you're missing, feel free to, email, uh, to send a mail to Bob Rizakis. Good luck with that. And uh, the last, let's see, we have a hodgepodge ad page. Well, not really. It's just super gifts and gimmicks. Then you have another prizes for cash or prizes or cash page. And then the back cover is uh, something about a bike catalog to buy a bike and get a BMX poster. That's all we got there. So let's take a look at the comics that actually were coming out this month as part of the DC Explosion. First up, we have Batman number 303, uh, which has a Batman story in it, of course. Plus, the backup feature that begins this issue is the Unsolved Cases of Batman. They don't have too many of these features, but it's a pretty cool feature. Uh, let's see. Dynamic Classics number 1, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, reprints Detective Comics 395's The Secret of the Waiting Graves although it does have a nice Dick Giordano cover, as well as a Manhunter story, you know, Archie Goodwin and Walter Simonson. Walter? Walt Simonson. The Flash um, has trouble on his second honeymoon. turning It turns into a fight for his life. Plus, the, plus Kid Flash 
joins in as the backup feature, with his friend becoming a menacing monster. <laughs> Justice League of America number 158 has a story entitled The Superpower of Negative Thinking. Uh, basically, Ultra uh, does something that involves the Justice League losing their powers as they also need to take on the Injustice Gang. So there you go. Uh, Adventure Comics is a doll is uh, once again, like I mentioned before, a dollar comic that is 68 pages with no ads. There's a Green Lantern story, a Flash story, a Dead Man story, an Elongated Man story, a Wonder Woman story, and a New God story that seems to continue from where the New God series left off. So it looks like they canceled the New God series and then moved them over to Adventure. Adventure is going to end up being a big place to go for a lot of the, well, when we have the implosion, a lot of stuff's going to get shunted over there so they can end the series, such as just the Justice Society stuff. Which I don't think is too much of a spoiler, because you're probably, if you've heard this show, you've probably also listened to a lot of the True True Freak shows, including Justice, uh, the Tales of the JSA, which covered those issues. So, if you didn't know, I'm sorry, um... DC Comics Presents number two came out this month, Race to the End of Time, which is part two of the two-part Flash versus Superman race through the time stream. Also written by Marty Pasco, and also covered on a, on a previous episode of this show. Black Lightning number 11 um, has, well, a, obviously a Black Lightning story, plus the Ray, as I mentioned before, uh, shows up in the backup feature, which begins this issue. Brave and the Bold number 143 has Batman teaming up with the Creeper, plus uh, the backups feature of the Human Target, who doesn't look half bad, drawn by Jim Aparo. Not the greatest cover in the world, but, you know, it looks pretty cool. By the way, the Adventure Comics cover is drawn by Jim Aparo. If you ever wanted to see how he draws even, other, even more heroes without Batman anywhere on the cover, you should check that stuff out. Uh, it's got, you know, he draws Green Lantern... Flash, Wonder Woman, and Elongated Man on it. Looks pretty cool. I think it's Elongated Man. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, Earth's Last Stand is in Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 243, which not only features the Legion, but also the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Not in the backup. This is just all one long issue, or one big story. Uh, and it's got a beautiful Mike Grell, Joe Rubenstein cover. Uh, let's see. Superman Family number 191. Superboy f battles a machine from Krypton, which just looks like a UFO using Dr. Octopus's arms. Literally. I mean, there's four of them, and that's what it looks like. And unfortunately, it, it's a, he's being weakened by a red sun. But as we mentioned in that little ad, there's also a Jimmy story uh, where he's looking for the Guardian, which probably tells you where the newsboys are. Crypto, Supergirl, Lois Lane, Superman, and Nightwing and Flamebird. Action Comics number 487 has Superman learning the super origin of Microwave Man. While the old Daily Planet globe is turned into a guided missile headed towards the WGBS building. Which isn't good, but it's got a beautiful Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, cover. And introduces the new backup feature. This time, it's The Atom. All-Star Comics number 74 has a full issue story 
World on the Edge of Ending, which is the Justice Society. Which has a really nice looking Joe State and Dick Giordano cover. Fortunately, Joe Gaiella inks it inside, so it's not going to look as, probably as good. But not bad still. Uh, DC, or D DC, Detective Comics number 479 is part two of the Clayface introduction story, which I believe is also the final issue penciled by Marshall Rogers. Uh, and also introduces the new back, uh, the new Hawkman backup feature, Green Arrow and Green Lantern take on Replicon in Green Lantern 108. Plus, Green Lantern has his oh, plus the Golden Age Green Lantern gets a backup feature, the Champion of the Green Flame, which all makes sense based on what we learned from the checklist. Commandy, the last boy on Earth, number 59, uh, has stories that apparently take place before and after the Great Disaster. Plus. The return of OMAC in the backup feature, and the cover is by Jim Starlin with inks by Joe Rubenstein. So that's kind of cool. The Commandy story is not by Jim Starlin. It's by the recently departed Dick Ayers. But Jim Starlin does write and pencil the OMAC story. And the final issue for this month, uh, Wonder Woman takes on the Inside Out Man, which kind of looks a little gross on the head. Because that's the part you can see. And it, I, yeah. Meanwhile, Tales of the Amazons is the backup feature here. And they deal with something about bur uh, bur burial at sea. So there you go. And that's going to do it for this episode of Superman in the Bronze Age. Please make sure you like us on Facebook and leave a review on iTunes, please. Next time on an all-new episode, copyright Andrew Leyland, all rights reserved. It's the attack of the cryptonoid. Are you are you are you ready for that? Because it's gonna be a doozy. I bet. I haven't read that yet, so we'll see. Uh, anyway, I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Show notes can be found at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. Also, we have a Facebook fan page where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Feel free to like us there. Want to comment on the episode you just heard? Email the show at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. <laughs>